Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Southeast, the podcast where we take you through some of the major topics facing importers and manufacturers in China today. Hi, everybody. Welcome along again. It's episode 58 today, and we're talking about how to reduce lead times from your suppliers in China or Asia. I'm Adrian from the team, and I'm joined, as ever, by our CEO, Renault. Hi, Renault. Hey, Adrian. How are you doing? Yeah, good. How's it going with you? And is there any news on the COVID situation in South China yet? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Not much has changed since the, the last episode. <laughs> not many news. Um, situation in, in South China is, let's say, under very close scrutiny. And mm-hmm. it was planned already to last, you know, probably at least two weeks. I mean, we know is, you know, they need to keep looking um, carefully because there's been some suspicion, you know, some risks of um, fast spreading. So yeah, there's some areas of Guangzhou that are blocked. So for example, we have one of our technicians lives there. So fortunately he's not stuck in his home, but you know, he cannot really get back there. So he simply stays in hotels, you know, Right. Okay. Yeah. That's. What a pain. Yeah. Well, it's not going to last forever. No. It has a little bit of an impact. You know, sending the staff to do the, the 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 testing. um, You know, regularly. But that's fine. Hmm. Now, for people who really want to go into China at this time, uh, (laughs) if they don't already have a a work visa, the right kind of vaccine, and everything. Mm. Um, it's it. It seems like it's pretty hard to to get the the PU letters. You know, these special special administrative steps. Um, yep. it seems to be a little bit harder for them to to get in China now. Mm. Um, and it was already pretty hard. And for people who want to travel within China, that you know, they might be. The most impacted. So, if we have someone say in in Shanghai or in Xiamen, mm. and they have to, to go do a job in somewhere in you know in Shenzhen, in Guangzhou, in in Foshan, in Huizhou, and so on, they really don't want to go because they can go there, but they can't really go back. I mean, when they go back, they will have to to stay in quarantine and everything. So. It's uh, it's not fun, and even if today the, their local government says, yeah, no problem, well, who knows by the time they they come back, you know, the the, the rules change all the time. So Let, let's see, let's see. Yeah, I mean, with their methods, I get they will get over it. I'm not so worried. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking about the COVID situation in China is actually relevant to the topic at hand today because. As we've also discussed in in other podcasts and written content that we've put out on Sophie's blog, for example, the localized lockdowns and outbreaks that have happened, for example, at Yantian Port in Shenzhen, which is one of the major ports in yeah. South China, this has caused delays. This has caused expanded lead times from suppliers in in china or or other places in asia which have also suffered from outbreaks like in vietnam for example i suppose 
so there's definitely a good link there. And so I think it's quite a relevant topic to cover today. In, a, in general terms, why should we always be striving to reduce our lead times? Well, the the longer the lead times to, you know, when you, you order, you reorder your products, the more you have to rely on forecast. And, you know, the more you rely on forecast, the more risk you, you, you have, you know, you run of, of, going, of getting wrong, mm. of making the wrong bet, right? So um, if, if you say, well, um, I have, I don't know, let's say you, you have one month of uh, average sales quantity, let's say in your warehouse for a given product, you know that maybe, you know, six weeks before you should already launch a reorder and then you get it four weeks later, um, you know, and then if things go wrong, you still have a little bit of a safety net on average, right? If it's a product that you can still afford to be out of stock for a few days, right? So, mm -hmm. um, and in other cases, you absolutely need to keep like a minimum safety stock and you, you should nearly never be out of stock. Okay, then in that case, obviously, Need to take more margin of safety, and you need to um, you need to use a, you know some statistics to uh, to estimate the probability that you would be out of stock, right? Yeah. So you um, let's say your tolerance for surprises, <laughs> your tolerance for the, the probability of getting out of stock for for a certain product is one factor. You know another big factor is how long it takes you to to reorder. Uh, to, to get the same products. And, and that's the lead times, uh, you know, the, yeah, basically the, the total lead time to, to get a product from the issuance of a purchase order from your side to the products arriving in your warehouse, in your distribution center, in your stores, you know, wh mm. wherever it, it, it really counts. And you say COVID is, is relevant, well, it's very relevant because in, you know, in 2017, 18, 19, in a lot of product categories, there were not many surprises, you know, there was like, okay, we have this, this model, and then uh, most of the time it would be okay if we follow this sort of decision, uh, decision model, uh, and we'll, we'll usually get the products, you know, on time, and we we won't run out of inventory too badly. And then it means that we have continuity of supply. We can keep supporting our customers. Yeah. Um, that, okay, that's great. Um, when the, the environment is stable, but then when the environment is unstable, uh, like we've seen over the past 18 months, well, mm. you know, all of a sudden, um, your forecast, you, you can't really count much on your forecasts because um, maybe your sales will dry up maybe you will set everything in, in the next three days um, and maybe your suppliers themselves will have trouble you know if for example these days you um, you want to order you know an electronic products and some of the some of the components are out of stock or or their price went uh, 5x or 10x yeah well, you, you know, you might have a problem. This is going to impact you. If I don't know, if you, if you were selling, you know, face masks 
in in March of 2020, your stock, phew, you know, would disappear pretty fast. If it's an Amazon, boom, bye bye. You know, it um, it gets sold out very fast. Yeah. So this is you know the unpredictability of of demand and supply, right? That that make the the, the whole forecasting exercise uh, much more difficult. You know, with with lower accuracy. So when when you cannot have a, a very accurate forecast, then the one thing you really start to look at very carefully is the the, the lead times. If it takes you forever to to uh, to get your product, you're very reliant on your forecast. But if you cannot rely on your forecast, then you're going to be out of luck. Um, you know more of the time, and that 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 is a big problem. So that's the why. You know why you need to reduce uh, lead times. I mean. Another big why is, you know, if let's say you you said in the UK, you know, if, if you have two sources for, for, for a product, let's say you you have one source in uh, in Shenzhen and then you have another source in in, in Warsaw in uh, in Poland, well, you know, the one in Shenzhen it, it might take you I don't know. Um, it might take you 60 days, 70 days, 80 days, uh, you know, to to um, to get the product. Well, that's your lead time. But maybe if you order from uh, from your supplier in, in Poland, and maybe it doesn't have to be a full container. Maybe uh, they can um, they can they can send um, you know five five cubic meters of product. Let's say. And it it it's um, economically okay. Well, maybe they can make these these uh, the, the, these products, these few units. Um, you know, maybe in ten days. Maybe they already had. They also they, they always have a little bit of raw materials in stock, just enough to to make that when you need it. Uh, and then they they put it on a truck, and uh, and you get it um, just a few days later. Mm-hmm. That's much much faster you know that's that can be five times faster or or, or even more um, so that makes a huge difference on the amount of inventory that you need to to carry so that's the second big reason why reducing the lead times comes with a lot of um, you know a lot of benefits lower mm-hmm. inventory means you know lower cash tied in uh, working capital that maybe you need to borrow Maybe you need to borrow it at you know ten percent, twelve percent a year, uh, you know, in interest rate or, or sometimes even more. Um, and then, if you're in the fashion business, wow, well, yeah. it's even more important because you know you have your new style, and you know you put it on the shelves at the beginning of the season, and then you see it start it sells very well. Maybe you don't have the time to to reorder the same, you know. If you reorder the, the the whole cycle is whatever you know 45 days to shipment plus uh, 35 days to get it over and, and, and so on and then the, the season is over so you, you you just have one shot and similarly if it's if it's a lemon if, if it doesn't sell well you know you you had to purchase a higher quantity that than you would like with high uncertainty so that that leads at the same time to some inventory that you need to liquidate because you yep. cannot sell it. 
And also some customers maybe came to your shops and could not find something they liked. But if, if lead times were shorter, they would have seen the one they like because you would have time to, to reorder it, right? Mm. Um, so lost sales, that's also expensive. Mm. So yeah, that's why a lot of companies look into what can we do to, to get the lead times down, you know? Yeah. Because really when, again, when you, when you add everything up from you issue the PO to you receive the products, it might be a very long time. Shockingly long sometimes. Yeah, and, and, and even worse these days as well. So it depends. If you are in one of the hot categories, I don't know, like e-bikes or you know some gym equipment or, or some electronics, as I mentioned, mm. well, yeah, you are of luck. The the you know, it's somewhere in the supply chain where there's sort of a bottleneck, you know, things really slow down. And then you are impacted because, yeah, your lead time, your total lead time is going to go up. Um, at the same time, if you if you buy, you know, from a factory that's not very busy and none of the materials or components or accessories that make up the product um, is in short supply, well, you know, it, it might actually be faster than usual. So... Hmm. but maybe not by much, right? But a little bit faster. <laughs> okay, interesting. Well, you mentioned uh, an interesting sentence just then. You said, you know, that's why everybody's looking to reduce lead times. That's because we've talked about the importance of it. Before we go into your strategies of how to reduce lead times, it's probably going to be very, very helpful to talk about some of the common causes. The first thing you 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 want to look at is where is the manufacturing taking place Mm -hmm. and you you need also to have an idea about the not only your tier one supplier you know the one that that sells to you but also maybe tier two tier three at least for the critical components that that might run into short supply uh, that might be custom made uh, that you know not 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 standard um, and and this understanding first will um, will explain a lot of things so if you um, if you buy from a factory in uh, in in China let's say or let's say you buy from Vietnam okay let's make it interesting you you buy a finished product from a factory in Vietnam and let's say it's um, some kind of power tool, maybe an electrical screwdriver. And typically this is made in China, but you know a lot of this has moved uh, recently and you buy it from Vietnam. Now, most of the components will still come from China probably, right? So you're still depending on the, on the Chinese supply chain. And mm. maybe there's one key component also that comes from Taiwan, from Malaysia, from, you know, from Japan, I don't know, uh, from, from another country. You, you, know, you, you should have an idea about all these things, even if you don't know the identity of these sub-suppliers and sub-sub-suppliers, you need to have an idea at least. 
so what, what, what I mean is that having an idea of where manufacturing takes place uh, gives you an idea already on the map. Then based on that, you know, there's some obvious issues, right? Transportation. <laughs> so when you place a PO and the factory in Vietnam doesn't have everything already in their warehouse, uh, all, all the components, and they also need to place a PO to the, the, their sources in mainland China. And then yes. these sources maybe need to, um, to order the, the Japanese, the Japan-made component, let's say, okay. Uh, or maybe they have it in inventory most of the time. Maybe you can count on the fact that they have it in inventory. Let's say they have everything in, in inventory in South China, in Guangzhou. Okay, great. Then they're going to, you know, uh, waste a few days, maybe in paperwork and confirmations and payments. And then it's going to get on the truck. And then in a couple of days, it will be at the factory, um, you know, ready to be assembled. Then what happens? You know, there's incoming quality control. Um, there's, um, you know, always waiting a little bit because, you know, they, they, they have a plan for, for assembly. So they, um, you know, it's not like they have a, a, a slot right away. Then it right. goes into assembly on the lines. You know, how long is it gonna take? Well, if you order 2000 pieces, it's going to be faster than if you order 50,000 pieces at a time, right? So this has an impact. And then, you know, the, the testing, the outgoing QC, um, export declaration, waiting a little bit, getting a container, <laughs> which is a problem these days. Yeah. Um, you know, getting a, a space on a boat. And then if it's sent by sea, let's say, um, doing the the... The whole voyage to um, to where it's going to be uh, delivered and get out of customs and get on a truck and so on, and that's how you get to maybe um, you know you place the PO, then you wait for 40 days, and then you wait for another 35 days, and and add a couple of extra days, and then it's in a warehouse where you can actually start to put your hands on the product. Well, you know, that's 80 days roughly, right? That, that's a long time. Absolutely. Now, yeah, if, if you buy all of that from, again, from, from Poland, let's say, if, you, if you're in, um, in Birmingham in the UK, well, yeah, you, a lot of this would be slashed. You know, if all the components are made in, um, let's say in, in Germany, Czech Republic and, uh, and Poland, well, Okay, all of this gets on the truck, gets to Poland, gets assembled. Then, since you don't need to, to do full, cont full containers, you can order more often. It means the batch will be smaller. And then you get the, the, the products. And, um, you know, again, in just a, just, just a few days of truck. And if mm -hmm. it's not good, you, you could send it back. Now, let's say you're not in London. Okay, maybe now with the UK uh, getting on, on, on its own. Uh, I'm not sure it's, it's the best example, but let's say you're in um, in Copenhagen, uh, you, you you get the, the products and if it's not good, probably you can just put them back on a truck and send it to them and get it back a few days later. If, if there was a mistake in assembly, you just need to assemble, rework, you know, disassemble, sorry, re rework, reassemble, repack and ship to you. It's much mm -hmm. smoother than China. 
you know, the, 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 the big extra problem with China is that if they make it wrong, or Vietnam, so if they make it wrong, it takes forever to send it back. And if it's declared as defective products, it might actually be impossible to send it back, right? In, in China, they make it very, very difficult. In Vietnam, actually, I don't even know. Um, oh, because they're worried about foreign waste coming in. Uh, partly, yeah, partly. Mm. True, true. I mean, basically, China does not have a return policy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there are ways around it, right? Like um, in, in the Shenzhen free trade zone, um, mm -hmm. it's possible to do a little bit of rework and things like that without importing products. And then you ship them out again. But still, it takes forever to send it back, you know, get it reprocessed and, and, and send it again your way, right? It takes forever. So yes. that's not fun. So that's the big, um, the, the big thing, right? Geographically, where is it located? What does your supply chain look like when you look at tier one, tier two, tier three? Um, and what is the size of your batches? And also what is the risk that you get something that you cannot use and you need to send it back? You know, what is the risk that, uh, you know, the lead time uh, at the last minute, balloons you know mm. more than doubles maybe right uh or, or or you can't even send it back you need to reorder once again that that's a big problem uh, there are some other causes you know um i mean poor communication by some suppliers um definitely slow things down sometimes how long is going to to take to be processed that's for sure um maybe they maybe they're very busy uh maybe the way they are organized in production is very batch and queue and batch and queue and batch and queue the different processes are not linked you know uh, at, at all um and you go to their factory and it's more a warehouse than a factory you know there's there's piles of materials everywhere and you you can't even see the the people in the machines <laughs> that's the sign of of a of a very slow manufacturer right yeah it doesn't um, scream efficiency oh yeah oh yeah and then sometimes you look at the piles of products you run your your finger on it and it's full of dust You're <laughs> like how long has this been here <laughs> mm. so um yeah that that, that that's a big a uh, big topic um you know, how much inventory they keep also, I kind of mentioned that, but yeah. if they want to be themselves on the safe side, or maybe they do a VMI, you know, vendor management inventory with some of their suppliers, um, or if their suppliers are just next to them and very reactive, all of this makes a big difference because a lot of the time in the total lead time is spent just waiting for materials. And some of them, you order them and you get them the next day but some of them have to be custom made and some products have a bill of material of, you know, 50 lines, hundred lines or more. And when, when you start to have a lot of um, types of components, if one of them is late, you can start, right? That, that's you know, in, in, in many cases. So that, that is also um, a big cause of not only long lead time, but also, and I would say inconsistently long lead times, 
and that is a big problem. You know, when you really need it and when you say, well, you know, oh, we have a little problem here, uh, you know, it's gonna be a bit slower. And then they don't say anything, they don't say anything, they don't say anything. And then you're supposed to ship, uh, you know, on 25 June and on 20 June, they tell you, uh, you know, we're gonna be a week late because uh, we haven't started doing the assembly yet because da da da. da. Mm -hmm. And when they tell you they're gonna be one week late, it means at least one week. <laughs> and then, you know, later they say, well, you know, another five days or oh, another five days. So, yeah, this this is a big um, a, a big thing also. So th these are the main causes, right? Obviously, there's some other causes, but these are really those that come to my mind. Sure, sure. No, no, th those are good. So that's diagnosing the symptoms of lead times that are too long. So with those in mind then for everybody who's listening what are your key strategies for actually reducing your lead times then so you need to take your product or maybe your markets and put them on sort of a two by two chart and you say okay which ones for for which like which ones are very stable you know the the the, the, the demand is relatively stable we can forecast relatively well so we can we can live with a long lead time, and that stuff you can have it made in Asia, um, and you you you're not gonna try to to go with all kinds of strategies to keep the the, the lead time very short. It's not that critical, and then some others, you know, uh, some 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 of your customers or your products will. Would be very time sensitive, just like the example I said before. You know, you, you you sell fashion products. You have a new style for this collection, and you know, when the season starts, you need to be able to reorder, and 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 get it shipped pretty fast. Yeah. Then, based on that, you structure your supply chain the right way. Um, I think a few years ago, I was listening to a presentation in a in a conference in Hong Kong by someone from the Gap um, and, you know, the clothing company. Mm -hmm. And they yeah. really did that. They, they did a, a two by two chart and they say, well, these are the, you know, like the white t-shirt and things like that. It's fine, you know, we're, we're gonna be okay. Even if we, we stuck with a little bit too much inventory, it's fine, we'll, we'll sell it, you know. Um, and then there was at the other extreme, the, 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 the fashion products that, need to um, uh, what timelines are very very sensitive and then based on that they say well you know if the market is north america and timing is sensitive i want to have it made in uh, in honduras let's say mm. okay or maybe the first batch which is not very time sensitive can be planned in advance can be soon in bangladesh but then for the reorder i need everything to be ready to launch a production in Honduras if necessary, right? And and then you can you can really break down the you know the steps. So okay, to make this um, this batch of whatever of, of 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 fashion shirts, you know we need to have the yarn, okay? And the yarn doesn't have to be um, dyed yet, so it can be grade yarn, as they say, and we can already work with our suppliers so they have that in stock. And then sort of 
at the last moment, we will tell them, well, you will use this yarn to make these products, you know, in that color, because that's what's selling well. And we drop the plan to make that other one. It's not going to work because the market is not really loving it, right? So in, in doing that, you have a lot of extra flexibility. That That's one thing, really sitting down and doing an analysis of how to structure your supply chain and how to work with the different suppliers. Because when you, you know, when you look at the case that I just mentioned, so you work directly with the fabric, the fabric supplier, not the, the, not the garment factory, but the, um, the, the fabric supplier, uh, you know, you need to make sure that they have this kind of yarn available, you know, and that after that, they can have it dyed pretty fast and shipped to the right cut and shoe factory. Then in the cut and shoe factory, what you do is you reserve some, some of the time of some of their lines. And then as late as, late as possible, you tell them what the plan is <laughs> and they're gonna get, they're gonna get the, 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 the fabric that they need and so on and so forth. Now mm -hmm. that takes you know, quite a bit of work but there's a number of fashion companies that have done that. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously you can also put everything in a plane, but you know, uh, it's not very friendly to the environment. And it's, it's not sustainable, expensive. is it? In many ways. Yeah, not sustainable, exactly. Okay, so that, that, that's really working on the structure of the supply chain. Another, another way, if you work closely with a manufacturer you know, and if you are their main customer, then you can, or, or let's say you are one of their biggest customer, you can sit, them, sit down with them and say, okay, so what does it take you 45 days to have that made or 50 days or whatever? Or maybe you put, you make, um, I remember an extreme case, extreme case. Factory that was making axles for, for cars, but for the aftermarket um, segment. And these guys were doing the casting, uh, die casting, and they were doing, um, you know, a lot of the machining because there was a lot of machining involved. And after that, they were doing the, the assembly together and putting the grease and things like that. And, you know, and they were very late in, um, in shipping to their customers. But we, we, we looked at the, um, all the all the inventory that they had of working process uh, material and the time that it takes them to process everything. And basically something that starts at the, the die casting stage will be a finished product in a box, something like five months later. So mm. sometimes it's, it really gets extreme, you know, and I, I say five months, but it might've been six to seven months. It was just insane, insane. Um, so, you know, in, in such a case, what you do is you sit down with your supplier and say, hey, okay, first planning system, how do you plan? Oh, you know, we, well, you know, we, we do like this, but it's not very structured. Oh, and, you know, it changes every, it changes all the time because the customers say, oh, this is very urgent, you have to push it. And then, you know, it makes things even more complicated because, you know, the plan keeps changing and everything. Okay, that, that in itself, will make everything less efficient, will reduce the capacity of the factory. And it means that they, uh, you know, they would be slower in making your orders. 
So you need them to actually have a good planning system in place that doesn't get interrupted all the time. That can just set the plan and then within a bit of flexibility, you know, have it done all per the plan so that you maximize the efficiencies. Uh, and also you, you, you don't tell the customers at the last minute that it's going to be late. You already know what's going to be shipped when, basically. Right. <laughs> um, also, um, work on the batch sizes. Sometimes there's really no reason to, to, to place very large orders. Now, some people, and that, that's very, very true in, in China, is they, they say, well, I need to buy you know, that specific kind of um, stainless steel Ah, yeah, you know, the price goes up, goes down a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm waiting a little bit. And then because I know when, when I order a very large quantity, I can negotiate a discount with the supplier. And then, so it, it, it pushes them to, um, to focus on the, the volumes, you know, the biggest batch at the same time. Mm-hmm. But then, as I mentioned, if you, if you make a huge batch, um, you know, everything is slower, you know, it gets, it's slower to get from materials to finished products. So that, that is a, um, a behavior that their purchasers need to, need, need to stop because just to earn, you know, an extra, I don't know, 2% discount on what they buy. Also, it kills their, um, their, their own working capital and, and it takes a lot of space and, you know, it makes a lot of things inefficient also on their side. Yeah, so, and all of that attracts costs as well, right? Such as the warehousing and all, of and this all the rest of it. Of course, yeah. yeah, they need a bigger warehouse. They need more people to move stuff around. You know, if there's a quality problem, but they've already semi-processed, you know, 40,000 pieces, oh, that is a lot of, you know, that is a very big problem, very costly. Sure, yeah. And, and, and you need to basically push them to, to reduce the working process inventory. So there's, there's ways to do that. Uh, you link the processes closer to each other and um, you, you try to minimize the, um, just in case I push everything I can to the next process kind of uh, mindset. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do that, you need to explain it to them and most of them will not understand it because people just assume that when you make a huge batch, you maximize all the efficiencies, your machines never have to be down, never have to be set up or anything. You know, the people don't have to think too much. When you get it right at the beginning, you will keep getting it right. All You know, so quality will be great. They have this kind of mindset and it's actually the, the opposite. Uh, you know, the best manufacturers now want to be lean uh, because it comes with better quality and lower costs, as well as much shorter lead times. <laughs> so mm-hmm. It all goes together, but yeah, most people don't, you know, don't really understand why. And it's, it's not easy to make them grasp why. Also, okay, <laughs> why do they say, for example, 50 days? Uh, but actually, when you put things on um, in an Excel file, it should be only 35 days. Well, quality issues happen. Uh, maybe they receive components from their suppliers, and you know sometimes they have to reject. Maybe sometimes they don't really 
pay attention to it. It goes into production and then the production staff has to sort them out. I mean, this is a very bad thing to, to have production staff do and obviously impacts their, their efficiency. It slows things down. And mm. sometimes they, yeah, they, they cause quality issues and it needs to be, it needs to be reworked, you know. So also another, so that's, you know, disasters, right? That's why they say, okay, just in case we do everything with more inventory, just in case it could be 45 days, but we say 50 days, you know, just in case, da, da, da. So they, they go with this just in case thinking because they know that they, they, they have a lot of nasty surprises. So one kind of nasty surprise is quality issues. Another one is equipment going down. But why does the equipment go down unexpectedly? Because they are not good at preventive maintenance. Yes. So, okay, so the, they're not good at quality or their suppliers are not good at quality. Boom, that's a problem. No good preventive maintenance. Boom, that's a problem. Maybe some of their staff, you know, are not stable. You know, um, they might have 10 people leave next week and they don't even know about it. Well, right there, you know, management of the people. Get them trained, get them, you know, make sure they're okay. Don't kill them with, oh, we need to ship everything, uh, you know, by tomorrow morning. So just keep working through the night. And, uh, mm. oh, there's no, uh, Sunday we have to work, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You will get pay, paid extra. Don't worry. Just just keep working, you know. And uh, it's fine. You will have a day of rest next weekend, hopefully. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's illegal. Um, and, and you lose some of your best staff um, mm. because people don't put up with that for years and years and years. Sure. So again, not sustainable, right? Um, so all of that was really working with your supplier, getting into their processes, into their planning systems. So it's not just about the manufacturing side, it's really also a lot on their supply chain side, not ordering too much and so on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, I mean, another one is to, to get better forecast, you know, more accurate forecast. Maybe you need to work closely with your supplier, uh, sorry, with your key customers to get some indications, you know, earlier that you need to reorder or maybe mm, this one is not moving very fast, right? And similarly, you could share that also with your key suppliers. You can give them a forecast. You know, a forecast is not a purchase order, right? Um, so some customers give, for example, a three-month forecast, or you know, or even longer, and that's a good, um, that's a good thing, because yeah. it means okay, the forecast shows that they're going to order. Okay, let let's order more, you know, inventory, and let's let's talk with our own suppliers to see. Um, what the issues may be, uh, you know, and then boom, I get the PO, um, you know, I should not have a surprise. I should be kind of prepared, right? So mm. obviously the problem with forecast is sometimes um, they, they're kind of optimistic and you order a lot and then actually they say, well, 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 you know, we're way too optimistic. Sorry, something happened in our distribution channels. We dropped these guys because 
we couldn't work with them, whatever, you know. So yeah, sales are gonna be a bit soft for the next six months, sorry. And then you're stuck with a lot of inventory, okay? Uh, happened to us not so long ago. So then what do you do? You know, you, do you keep the inventory? Do you try to resell it if it's not custom? That's a big, big issue. And usually the manufacturing contracts in that case will provide for, you know, a way out. You know, if the manufacturer cannot sell it, cannot, you know, then there should be a little bit of a penalty for the customer in that case. Mm. Right. Um, it's got to be fair. So these are the big, um, the big things that that you can do, I think, to okay. to to cut the lead times for for your procurement. Um, uh, I hope that was clear. I, I hope I didn't ramble yeah. too much. <laughs> No, no, really good. And when you were listing all of the potential problems that that you might come across, there was one thought going to my mind, and that was the vetting of suppliers. You know, mm. a lot of these things that you're talking about that that suddenly it causes a, a big problem. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, yeah. So when you vet a supplier, you you can see, you know, okay, do do you have a proper planning system? Oh, okay, yeah, you have an ERP, great, but. Do you just run your your sales, your purchases, and you know your, your finance stuff in your ERP, or do you, you know, do you use the 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 the, the production control, material control, you know, these these kinds of modules? No, you don't. Okay, so show me your show me your 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 planning system. Oh, mm. it's all in the head of, you know, whatever the, the production manager. Oh, yeah, okay. Good. Well, that you know that already already tells you something, mm-hmm. um, and. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can do. You know what? Look for the bottlenecks, the, the bottlenecks in their internal operations, and then you can sort of deduct. Okay, if they only have like five machines like this, and you know, then their maximum capacity per day is X, right? Uh, so that gives you an idea about their flexibility, and then you can mm-hmm. you can have an idea of like are they already sort of at max capacity? Or would it be easy for them to, to ramp up the, that capacity quickly if necessary? Um, and also, you know, do they try to reduce working process inventory or are they drowning in a sea of, of materials everywhere, right? Um, these are some relatively simple topics that can be checked. Yeah, mm. yeah as soon as you send an auditor in, they're going to pull up a lot of this stuff. Uh, yeah, if that's the the topic, you know that that he he needs to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Great. Well, that that's some great advice for anybody listening who is sort of dissatisfied with their lead times at the moment. There's a lot to think about there. So that's been really good. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to like and share, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all other places that you get your podcasts from. See you next time.